you just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I, and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I, I think we did a poor job recruiting. If guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. And we lied to them during recruiting or we, we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Yeah, you know, right now uh, we have the atmosphere of a, of a JC softball game. You know, I mean, that's what we are, JC softball team. As long as, you know, uh, it's 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 not whether you win or lose. It's like who, the, 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 the team that wins is the one that has the most fun. You know, that crap like that. You know, all this stuff that's contaminated America where they give every kid a trophy and they don't keep scoring Little League anymore. Now, that's also a second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. <laughs> Winning the SEC probably is harder than winning the national championship. Do you know that? Well, how about the fucking dogs? Turn that damn you Hey buddy, this beer's for you, Mike, and cousin Shane. That SEC podcast loves the pirate, and the pirate loves that SEC podcast. Hail State. Welcome in the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Braden. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And look who's back, Cousin Shane, <laughs> who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? Hey, buddy, what's going on? <laughs> Sounds like the uh, party's still going on over there, brother. How you uh, been? It is winding down, Mike. It is definitely winding down. As you guys know, uh, did a little deep sea fishing this weekend. And I'm going to tell you what, Mike, I don't think we give enough credit to land. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was definitely kissing it when I got back. <laughs> no, it, it well, we went with a couple old buddies from school, and um, somebody talked me into it. And I was like, yeah, that sounds fun, man. They're telling me this story about all these marlins and tunas and all that stuff we're going to catch. And uh, mm -hmm. I was like, you know what? That sounds fun. Let's do it. But then I started getting myself worked up, Mike. And I think that's the problem because, you know, I've heard people, man, you go get sick out there, you know. So I went and got some in patches, you know. Right. And I put one of the patches on the night before took it off, put a new patch on the way out there. And I was like, I think I'll be fine. You know, I get on the boat. It's five o'clock in the morning. We're heading out to the ocean. I'm telling you, man, you have got to, in this boat goes about 30 miles an hour. It, we, we rode hard for like two and a half hours. Okay. <laughs> hey, think about that for a second, Mike, two and a half hours away from land. You know, mm -hmm. I paid for this. <laughs> I paid for this. <laughs> I wasn't kidnapped. I'm, I paid this man, you know, a lot of money to take me two and a half hours and sit me out here in the middle of the ocean. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, I can't drink. I, I, I love, and you guys know, I love to drink a couple beers, you know? And I was mm -hmm. like, I'm not going to do it because I know if I do, I'm going to get sick. And I started thinking and I got in my head, you know, how <laughs> those guys, you know, shooting the foul shots, and that, man, that they were all in my head. People were talking. I just, I did not want to drink. I drank water the entire time. And then we get out there and the captain's like, I got some bad news. 
He goes, the good fish stopped running in May. And I'm like, well, then why'd you take all my money in July? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. We get out there. We fish for the first minute. We caught a king mackerel. We caught a, 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 a mai mai. And, like, within an hour. And it's like, this trip's going to be awesome. And then we sat for four hours, Mike, without a bite. Damn. So uh, then when we finally started catching some other fishes like barracuda and they said that we can't keep those because they taste terrible and stuff. And and so then I was just like, you know what? Let's just go home. <laughs> you know, <So laughs> here, I, here I had this dream of coming home with hundreds and hundreds of pounds of fish, you know, holding the big, big blue tuna and, you know, getting my picture made and, you know, all the good stuff. I come home with a damn Ziploc bag full of two fillets of a king mackerel <laughs> <laughs> and a and a my my i'm talking and i'm not talking a gallon ziploc bag i'm talking the same one you stuff a peanut butter sandwich in mike <laughs> oh man and that fish was good but it wasn't that good so i don't know man if i'm if i'm ever gonna do that venture again uh that one wore me out man well, while you missed it, Shane, uh, the damn college football has essentially collapsed on itself almost, it seems like. Well, everybody but the SEC, of course, they've just propped themselves up. Mm -hmm. And, uh, man, we've got a hell of a guest lined up. Billy Lucci, owner of Texags, he oh, yeah. really appreciate the time that he took. I mean, he goes on here for about 40 minutes, so we got a long conversation with uh, Billy on all that. But uh, I thought since I hadn't talked to you in a couple days – I just thought uh, maybe you, you know, I was wondering, do you got any questions that, uh, you know, maybe some of our listeners may have as well? So what are your thoughts, questions, anything you got for uh, Texas and Oklahoma as they approach SEC membership? Well, for starters, you know, uh, the, the Texas fans are already upset, man. They <laughs> <laughs> didn't even join the conference and they're mad at us. Well, here's the fact, man. If you dig up in my old tweets or old videos, of course I bash Texas because guess what? Currently, you are not part of the SEC. Now, we are going to embrace you when you show up, and we're going to talk positive about you just like we talk about every team. But until then, it's like it's like my son-in-law. He's not my son-in-law yet. They're engaged, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I don't really like him, and I pick on him, you know? But once the I do's come out, then I'm going to be like, welcome to the family. But until then... He better walk the line. So uh, just hang, hang loose, Texas. Let us let that ink dry first before we start praising you. Uh, but I did notice a lot of Texas fans, Oklahoma fans kicking in. I'm telling you what, these fan bases are huge, Mike. That's one thing I, I always knew. T you know, they had big followers, but ever since this thing, I don't know if you've noticed, but I have seen a lot of chatter from both those sides. And I think that's going to make for even better football, man. I just started thinking about all these rivalries that are going to kick up. The 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 one was like the real UT, you know, <laughs> Tennessee versus. I mean, we're going to hear that one every so often. Oh uh, yeah. This uh, the I mean, Texas A and M. I mean, this is a this is a storied matchup that we've seen in years past. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. So as far as questions, I, I guess the biggest one for me is timeline. When are we expecting these guys to join the SEC? I think it'll become 2022, you know, the following season. And that at, quick. at the very latest, you know, if there's some kind of hiccup, 2023. And uh, my rationale for that, Shane, is just that the Big 12, you know, it's on life support right now without Texas uh -huh. and Oklahoma. 
and they cannot afford to just sit on their hands for the next whatever two three four years they have got to be making moves out there to mm-hmm. try to acquire teams or merge with maybe you know a, a pack 12 or what have you they mm-hmm. have have got to be making moves if they have any chance at survival and uh, you know these things need to be ironed out in the coming weeks and months not years so i just don't really see how you know imagine if those teams had to play in that league and, and everybody knew they were leaving for three or four years it's just it is just not going to work out in any capacity in my mind so i think this is going right. to get done and i think it's going to get done quickly is the pod thing still i mean is that still look like what the route they're going to take the the divisions well, I mean, all that is just completely hypothetical. I don't even think they've even begun to look at that until they sign the dotted line. They get them uh-huh. in the in the SEC, which they're supposed to vote on that on Thursday. So the day that this podcast comes out, we'll know for sure if Texas and Oklahoma made it, and I I guarantee they will. Yeah. Uh, but it, it won't be official till that point, and until they have it ironed out of of when they're coming in, I don't think they can really even start those negotiations you know what absolutely and so when is the matthew mcconaughey interview (laughs) (laughs) i tell you what man if uh, like you said as soon as it happens as soon as texas is official in the sec we need to get our asses down there to austin and and just start interviewing all the people you know what on campus and yeah and line up that mcconaughey interview and embrace we will embrace them like you said as soon as they're official but until that point, it's still horns down over here for me. I don't know about you. <laughs> That's it, man. Until that ink's dry, we cannot welcome you. Right now, we're pulling for Arkansas. But if we hear <laughs> if we hear that you guys are official, then like I said, I'd love to get down there. I'd love to meet some of the fans. I'd love to go to Oklahoma, meet some of those fans. You know, last time they came to Knoxville, that you talk about a, a rowdy little bunch, man. Oh yeah. That like to travel. So these guys love football, and that's what we love about the SEC is that almost all the programs, except for one, really take football serious. That's that's what SEC is about. I, I, I'm i hearing the baseball things. I'm hearing the basketball things. Mm-hmm. But when it boils down to, man, this is college football, and we just created the first super conference. Yeah, and I can't wait for it. So, hey, before we get to our interview, we're going to get to it in just a moment here with Billy Lucci of Texags. But, uh, hey, we got some really great clips here from Coach O, who on Wednesday here spoke to uh, the Baton Rouge Rotary Club. He was at, you know, the big topic was uh, name, image, and likeness and how that is working at LSU. He wanted to know about, or he was asked about Texas and Oklahoma, of course. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Coach O, he cracked himself up. He's cracking me up over here. (laughs) And especially this time, you know, football's changing. And we're paying players now, name, image, and likeness. So you guys want them. Start paying out players, you finally can. Go ahead. <laughs> but we always brag about, I, I, I want to talk about offense a little bit. Uh, I, know, I, know, I know the first question you're going to ask is, who's going to be a start left tackle, right? <laughs> no, no, no. All right. Yes, ma'am. What effect is Oklahoma and Texas going to have on the LSU schedule or on LSU generally? Well, you know, that's not my wheelhouse, for sure. No. If I ask about that, they say, oh, you played the coach. <laughs> but 
I do believe it's good. Okay, uh, this is becoming a super conference. I think it's going to help us in recruiting. Uh, it's going to open up some areas in recruiting that maybe we didn't recruit before. I think that uh, it's going to open up their eyes a little bit. And, uh, yeah, and, uh, but I think I think it's good for us. I don't know how it's going to affect us. I haven't heard anything yet. But as far as if they ask me, you know, I'd say, hey, whatever. But football is changing. Name, image, and likeness, superpowers, whatever it is, you got to want to change with the times as a coach. So I welcome them in. Which player do you think is going to make the most money? <laughs> you know what? I want, I want to address that. I think, I think it's time to address that. I think it's good. I think it's good for our players, okay? And uh, I think that uh, as long as it's handled in the right way, I do believe there's going to be some disappointment. I think that they can realize what taxes are. <laughs> <laughs> Right? They uh, they'll realize that they're not going to get paid as much as they think they ought to get paid. Right? Um, I just don't want it to affect the locker room. And here's what I talked to our team about. I'm for it. But you know what? You came here to go to school, get an education. And you came here to win football games. And the most important thing that you can do is focus on school and football. If that can supplement you, fine. But if that becomes your sole purpose, you're heading in the wrong direction. Yeah. And uh, take, for example, Joe Burrow. Right? Joe Burrow, at the beginning of his senior year, was projected a six-round pick. So much for preseason projection, right? <laughs> Not the problem, man. <laughs> so, you know, Joe concentrates on football. The rest is history, right? Wins the championship, first round pick, signs for $40 million, gets all kinds of endorsements. And as long as a player can focus on what he has to focus on and that supplement him, I'm fine with it. You're welcome. But if y'all want to pay our players, I ain't got nothing against it. <laughs> Legally. All right, Jade. So, Javi, how great was that? You know, that's just that little sample is, uh, you know, one of the big reasons we love Coach O, uh, one of our favorites in the SEC, isn't he? Absolutely. That's what I love about these rotaries and, you know, carpools and things like that. It seems like they get to let their hair down a little bit. And, you know, Coach O, he, he has to be serious during media days, but you get him out here around some of the boosters and he starts cutting <laughs> loose a little bit. Got that Scooby-Doo laugh going on, you know. <laughs> Don't forget them taxes, boys. <laughs> oh, man. How long before one of these kids get in trouble with the IRS, Mike? I mean, oh, real- <laughs> that's coming. That's coming pretty quickly. You know oh, what? I know. They better create something in their departments to take care of these boys. <laughs> they better have a little HR block there in the locker room. <laughs> you know. <laughs> All right. So uh, let's kick it over to our interview once again with Billy Lucci of Texags. Okay. We got a special guest lined up. We got the one and only Billy Lucci. Got to give him a follow at Billy Lucci. He's the co-owner of Texags. Billy, thank you so, so much for joining me. I really appreciate you. Oh, yeah. I appreciate you thinking about me for this one. I, I, I'm a big fan of following y'all's stuff, so it's perfect. 
Yeah, so I mean, I got to ask you, you know, the huge news here. It's the, the hottest topic, not only in the SEC, but uh, in all of college football, Texas and Oklahoma. You know, not a done deal, but certainly looks to be the case. Moving to the SEC, how do you think this affects Texas A&M? I don't think there's literally a better person to ask this question. Yeah, and I've been, you know, I've been reading some of the stuff you've been writing about it. And I, I, we're like-minded in this. And, you know, it affects A&M. I'll put it this way. I think it affects A&M more than it does any of the other current 13 members without question. And I think that's kind of why you saw such a visceral reaction from Aggies and their fan base. And I think if, I don't think there was some sinister plot to leave A&M out of it. I think on the A&M side, uh, they need to do some digging in to find out why it wasn't much more well-known uh, <clears throat> throughout the, the chain of command at A&M. I think that that's an, an A&M thing more than it is an SEC thing. Although, you know, I, I think may, it, there should have been maybe a little more coordination to kind of get, get everyone situated and ready for it. But the Aggies reaction, look, people have short memories. They forget 10 years ago what Texas and Baylor and Texas Tech were doing when A&M was leaving for the SEC and their efforts to thwart that move, both politically, the social media reaction. I, I, it's almost like times have changed so much, even in a decade. And, and the biggest thing that's changed, Mike, is A&M. I mean, it is. This is not the same Texas A&M that came to the league 10 years ago. Um, now, it may have seemed A&M hit the ground running. That was because a few first-round draft picks and Johnny Manziel, it was like the perfect perfect year to do it but even with Johnny a Heisman winner a transcendent player in college football the Aggies lost six conference games in two years and, and that was almost like the perfect timing of them coming in then they settled into that five loss uh, that five loss kind of spin cycle seven and five eight eight and four every year see to me now this is a program that's grown they, they've come through that they hired a national championship head coach. They've built an SEC roster, one that looks a hell of a lot more like, you know, LSU, Georgia, Florida, than it does the other teams. I think their roster looks, you know, when you see them take the field, they look better than the Auburns and the Tennessees. And I, and I said before A&M played Florida this year, I thought the Aggies had more talent. And a lot of people – uh, made a pretty big deal out of, about that, and I thought they did. I, and, and I think it showed on the field, not just in that game uh, when they kind of wore Florida down, but really throughout the entire season as the season progressed. I mean, so they're, they're prepared for those battles. They're prepared to, you know, like sustain it in the conference for a long time. And that doesn't matter if Texas is in it or Oklahoma. And that's why I think Aggie fans, uh, have taken a few days to kind of realize, like you've got the national championship head coach, you've got the facilities, the stadium, the location. You, by the way, you're still a member of the Southeastern Conference, mm -hmm. not like Texas is, and you're not. And 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 they've got they've been in the league ten years. They've got a coach now that's going into year four in the conference. He's been in the South forever, and even in the league, the situation they've got the roster. The situation is set up 
for long-term sustained success. You know, Texas A&M coming into the SEC did not damage LSU. I don't think I don't think there's much of a difference of Texas coming in. In fact, they're walking into what could end up, we'll see whether it's a year or two, could end up being a couple of the best teams in A&M history. That, that is not off the table as a possibility. Uh, it might not be the best time for Texas to be joining the conference, and it might be the best time for the Aggies to kind of renew that rivalry. So it, I, I, don't, I think where it affects them, and you've talked about this, I believe. Uh, was it you that was talking about the recruiting? And, yeah, yeah, and that's that actually it, was going to be my next question because – Yeah, talk about that. That's the biggest complaint I've seen from Aggies. Well, we won't be able to pitch – you know, we're the only SEC school in the state of Texas. And I would agree with you. Ten years ago, that was probably, uh, you know, a, that would have been a sticking point for the Aggies. But the way I see it, Texas A&M is, has well surpassed Texas on the football field. And they are no longer, you know, just going head-to-head against the Longhorns. They're going against Alabama, Georgia, LSU, Ohio State. You name the elite. That's who's that's who's coming into the state of Texas. Those are your competitors. And uh, I, I just think being the only school in the state of Texas from the SEC is not going to win those kids over. What's going to win those elite Texas prospects is we'll get you to the NFL, we'll, we'll compete for conference and national championships. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that's exactly – and you've got a national title head coach selling it. You've got last year's finish. You've got the trajectory. You've got the recent recruiting classes to sell. And I think you go and sell, hey, whatever you thought the SEC was, it just got better. And guess what? Now, for a lot of these kids, this matters. I would start selling the Texas game. Say now you come, not only do you get to play in the SEC, which you already were, but you're also gonna, we're also going to get to play in one of the biggest games in college football every single year. You're going to get to go play the Longhorns. You don't have to go there. We're going to play them and beat them. So will, will this give Texas a – Texas is in a nice position on the recruiting front right now today because they've got a new coach with no – at least in terms of the kids they're recruiting, there are no glaring negatives to Steve Sarkeesian. He's got no L's in Austin. Um, and, and they're now all of a sudden overnight selling the SEC, which is ironic because they spent the entire recruitment of these kids telling them, how the SEC is not a big deal and overrated and all the other things, which as anyone that can do any research knows is insane. By the way, I'm just letting y'all know the Texas Longhorns and their fan base absolutely 1000% believe the SEC is overrated and it's Alabama and the 13 dwarfs. They, they have convinced themselves over the span of a decade that that is the case and, and playing close against LSU to start uh, a couple of years ago and beating Georgia and that sugar bowl only confirms it in their mind. So, so just be ready because they laugh and scoff at any mention of the sec gauntlet or grind or whatever you want to call it. But no, I, I think Texas will get a quick boost in recruiting. They're going to win a couple head to heads with A&M. Uh, it might help. OU get over the top with a couple the Aggies have typically had a lot of success against OU and State, even going back to Sumlin. Um, so they're going to they're gonna get some, and that's fine. But Texas A&M not only is going to continue to recruit the State 
Very well. Jimbo Fisher recruits nationally. And like you said the other day, they're fighting the Georgias and the Alabamas and, and the, and, you know, they, they flipped guys from Alabama. They fight LSU for guys and they, they flipped guys recently from Georgia too, maybe even three of them by the end of this year. They go pull kids out of, out of Florida that Miami and Florida state and, and the Gators want. Like this is not a uh, local brand anymore. It's not a state brand. Jimbo Fisher. And like you said, 10 years ago, this would not have been good for A&M had they come over and then Texas said, Hey, we're coming with you would not have been good. It's a different A&M. They're a national title hopeful. I, I wouldn't say they're, they're in that, right there in that contender yet, but they're right there on the, right there on the edge. And uh, a top 10 program, top eight program, whatever, you know, wherever Jimbo has that in a year or two, we'll see. I mean, we know how, how tough it is any year you can slip and have to climb back. But I think they're building all signs point to this one going in, in the right direction and, and going fast. You don't worry about a top 20 program with a coach that has really accomplished next to nothing as a head coach coming into your league. So people need to take off. This is not Mac Brown. This is not Vince Young. This is not 2005. It's not even 2010. It, it, this is Texas that the reality is in four decades, they've been, they've been elite in one of them and they've, that's it in four decades. They've been elite in one decade. Like A&M is different in Texas. Here's the thing. Texas is different too, Mike, right? Mm-hmm. They ran roughshod over the big 12. And I don't, I don't fault them from the standpoint, if you can do it, it's every man for himself. It's looking out for number one and no one did that better than Texas. And they, they exerted every ounce of leverage they could and eventually cost the league, Nebraska cost the league, Colorado, and then A&M and then Missouri. And and now it's essentially killed the conference. So again, sec beware, but I don't think Chris Del Conte and the Longhorns are coming into the SEC and sitting across the table from LSU and Georgia and Florida and Alabama and, and dictating what's going to happen and how things are going to go. I just, I, it, it'll take a long time. And I don't think anybody sitting in, in a position of power today would still be there by the time that type of influence started over this league, if ever. And I don't think it ever will. And, and they're walking in and making the same amount of money as Vandy tomorrow you know when they when they join so it's a different texas and it's a different a&m and ou by the way i think oklahoma is the biggest loser in this deal and they don't realize it yet um i think the sooners will stay good they'll stay really dang good but ou has been operating in a league where they have twice as much talent as the their their nearest competitor in every game, maybe against Texas, the talent gap isn't like that, but it, they're still that much better as a team. But twice as much talent in every conference game but one every single season for the last 10 years. And I challenge anyone to honestly tell me that in the decade that A&M's been in the league, that Oklahoma would have appeared in maybe, maybe, maybe one and certainly no more than one. SEC championship game in that decade. And I feel like they've been in about 
seven or eight of, of them in, in the Big 12 during that stretch. So to me, OU walks in, it's like, man, they're formidable. They're really good. They're well coached. They're, you know, they're incredible on offense typically. Um, I say that so many of those yards and points against Bam and LSU came after halftime mm-hmm. uh, when LSU hung 50 in the first half. And I mean, the, these are the type things like OU comes in and, and not to take anything away from them, but I think they walk in and they're like one of six. I mean, do you think I'm? Do you think I'm off on that to say the Sooners come in? They certainly strengthen the league, but are they anything different than one of six right now? No, they're just they're doing it. From what I understand, their their bottom line will increase by about twenty two million a year. So absolutely, that's why they're absolutely. doing it. And know? it's survival, and it's survival, right? I mean, it's it's getting out. It's getting out ahead of of you know, you, you know, the, the disaster's coming, you know, you know, there's a category five aimed directly at the big 12 coming mm-hmm. out of the Gulf and, and you're getting the heck out of town. You're not going to be that, that person just sitting back and riding it out. So then them in Texas, they, they had a nice house, you know, up in the hill country and they got in their cars and drove over there and said, we're going to, we're going to go ahead and do this. And I think, uh, it's the same thing with Mike Slive. I'm gosh, Freudian slip there. It's the same thing with Greg Sankey and the SEC. I, I think Sankey is, you know, and, and it frustrated a lot of A&M people because Slive did make the promise that Texas would never come in without A&M's approval. But times change. The landscape of college football looks nothing like it did a decade ago. And, and I do think he's looking ahead going, we're going to have to get to 16 soon or at some point, so why not? I mean, Texas and OU and Notre Dame seem to be the only three prizes out there, and we can go get two of them. And then who knows, in his mind, Mike, I think he could be sitting there uh, looking ahead to 20, 24, if not being the Roger Goodell of a 32-team Saturday league that looks a hell of a lot like the NFL and and, and signs a billion-dollar TV deal. I mean, these are all things that if you're looking 5, 10, 15 years down the road, I don't think they're off the table. And I think he's trying to stay one step ahead and also keep those two teams from going to the Big Ten or ACC. Well, speaking of uh, the, you know, the college landscape changing, I really wanted to ask you about name, image, and likeness. Of course, uh, Tex Ags is in the forefront of this with uh, the deals with Isaiah Spiller and Damani Richardson. You know, those have been well documented, but – what I really wanted to ask you, is there a program out there that stands to gain more than the Yaggies? Because the way I see it, you got such a huge alumni base and, and everything that goes along with the A&M program. And you add to that just a just an absolute desire to, to get that championship. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, is there a better program in the country uh, with NIL now legal uh, you know, poised to, to gain from that than Texas A&M. I actually think, I, and I don't know what, what Notre Dame's doing with that or, or USC. I think those are a couple of the other ones that could be big winners. But I, I think A&M and actually Texas are, are two right now that if you look at what they're capable of with the money, um, it's it certainly, it, for everybody, it's finite. I know everybody thinks what. Well, the money's never ending in, in Texas right now and with 
Aggies and Longhorns. It is, but they'll be two of the last ones standing. I'll put it that way. So, yeah, I think A&M and Texas both. And you mentioned something that was interesting to me just then. The hunger of A&M. I had someone text me this morning that said, you know what? This might actually be a shot in the arm for, for A&M in terms of the NIL and facilities. I know there, there's a huge facilities push going on right now behind the scenes. Um, they're they're going to – what's already what already terrific facilities are about to get a major upgrade. Um, I, I do think, though, that sense of urgency that A&M has felt since joining the SEC because it was kind of a – if we're doing this, it has to work. We can't be Arkansas or South Carolina. Like, that would be – the disaster of all disasters to leave and, and, and kind of get swallowed up by the league. And that hasn't happened. Well, it hasn't happened because they went all in with the stadium and facilities when they joined the conference. They went all in to go get Jimbo Fisher and a contract that people uh, that people were ridiculing when it was when it was signed. And now it's like it might be time for an extension and a raise. Like A&M every step of this way has gone all in. And I think with Texas, no, you coming in, particularly Texas, I think you're going to see the donors and the ones that the, the money men and women sit up and go, okay, well, once again, we got to step up and, and not only keep the pace, but stay ahead of the, stay ahead of everyone. So, yeah. And I think the NIL is an opportunity to do that. So I do think, I think the Aggies and Longhorns both uh, really stand to benefit, which is going to be interesting to watch recruiting in this state over the next say five years or, or so because I, it's fascinating because Bama can come in and get guys when they want them for the most part you know Ohio State comes in and gets guys here's the one thing I'll say of all this stuff we talked about right this is still about Jimbo Fisher it's still about you have given a national title head coach everything he needs to succeed and and he's brought the program to a certain level where where they are close to being able to, you know, plant that flag at the top of the mountain. They're not there, but they're getting, you can see them getting there. You can see it getting closer. And if you look around college football, whether it's conference affiliation, NIL, recruiting advantages built in or otherwise, you know, just like the A&M Texas thing or Texas, Jimbo Fisher has recruited top six classes virtually every season he's been a head coach. It's just what he does. So, so to me, like it, it's about the head coach. Look at Clemson and Dabo Sweeney. Look at LSU and Alabama before Nick Saban saved both of them, pulled both of them out of the out of the doldrums. Look at Florida. It's Spurrier. It's Urban. Look at everyone else for the most part. Um, USC without Pete Carroll. Oklahoma before Bob Stoops got there. We mentioned Texas outside of the Mac Brown era. It is, in this sport, I think more than any, it's about the head coach. Um, and, and I think, again, Dan Mullen at Mississippi State, Hugh Freeze at Ole Miss. It's about the head coach, and that's pretty much it. So, I, And I know we were talking about getting getting this in when uh, my fence wasn't getting fixed, but it looks like that <laughs> that didn't happen. But you know what I'm saying, though? It, it's the head coach, period. And A&M's got their guy. And it's been they, – they, They've been looking for their guy since uh, since R.C. Slocum was fired. You know, they've been 
kind of wandering in the desert for a while. And there's been moments and, and Kevin Sumlin came the closest to getting them to turn the corner was unable to, was unable to, you know, kind of finish that job, but they went out and they paid and they got the guy. And so all this stuff, it's all well and good, but the reason they're winning is they've got a head coach that knows how to build a national championship program. And I remember the day he got the job, I told him, I said, well, to me, you know, you'd built a national title. I mean, I told him he built an SEC West power in Tallahassee. The way they played, the type players they had, the talent they had, even the style of play, I was just like, that was an SEC West title team. You know, that was was a team that would have challenged Bama, you know, throughout that run. That was a team that was – that's what he built there in Tallahassee. And 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 – to hire a guy that has been there, done it, and done it in the way that A&M needed it done, that's what he's doing here. And I think you, I think anyone that doesn't see that uh, just isn't paying attention or they're deliberately ignoring it. Well, speaking of Jimbo, do you think this is going to be his best Aggie team to date? Because I'm hearing from NFL people, and, and man, they're all over this Mike Elko defense, and they're seeing draft pick. Draft pick, draft pick, draft pick, all over the defensive, uh, you know, depth chart there. Uh, and at SEC Media Days, that was my biggest takeaway from the Aggies was, you know, a lot of talk about the Alabama game, but other talk was, well, hell, you guys just went nine and one. You know, you were number what was it five in the country at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. How can you build off that? And and basically all said that was. That was a, a disappointment. They didn't call it a failure, but they basically said that was that was not good enough. So, uh, I mean, it certainly seems like they have the swagger that you need. Do you think this is uh, going to be the best A&M team yet under Jimbo? It could be. Um, last year's was really good. I mean, people didn't appreciate that <clears throat> that team, I don't think. You know, uh, I think their last seven games they won by two touchdowns or more that's a pretty ridiculous stretch you know even the LSU game everybody was kind of down on them after that performance that game was 20 to nothing before the third quarter was up and it was 20 to nothing with 30 seconds left in the game like that and that was that was on their bad day 42 17 over Arkansas through three they won an orange bowl by more than two touchdowns they went into Auburn and it was a four-quarter game but they won that by, by I think, well, maybe that was 13 points. But, you know, they, they went and handled business week after week. It was a really good team. This one has a chance to be better. Yeah, you talked about that defense. They returned 9 of 11, but more importantly, I think they returned 20 of 22. And this is a team, now this is some, uh, this is some Bama, Georgia, LSU type stuff when you start saying it out loud, but they signed four five-star players in this in this past class that are going to be true freshmen this year and you know there's a chance that uh, a Bryce Foster could work his way in the starting lineup at guard maybe but there's also a possibility that those four guys are are role players that that get their real chance in in year two Um, and and that's pretty that's kind of tells you what this team where this team's at in terms of how loaded it is the one position you know, the, the the wide receiver position could be anywhere from solid to really good. That depends on, you know, Caleb Chapman and, and DeMond Demas on the outside. Mm-hmm. How, how quick, you know, is, does DeMond start to live up to that five-star billing? He didn't really play much last year. 
started to impress them in practice late in the season, especially this spring. Chapman, last time we saw him, he was lighting up Florida and then tore his ACL. So if those two guys come on, then, then look out. But running backs, tight end, experience at receiver, do-it-all guy in Anaya Smith. And then the, the big question to me is the offensive line. You lost four starters. Only one of those got drafted, but you lost four starters. You return a first-round pick in Kenyon Green. But beyond that, it's uh, it, it, there's a lot of new faces, and you have a new quarterback. You lost a senior QB, and you have a new offensive line. If, if, it, if it doesn't end up being a team that plays in a New Year's Six Bowl or competes for a, a playoff berth or SEC title, I think you would look at and say, man, it was just too much to overcome with a first-year starter at quarterback and, and, and a young kid at that, whether it's Calzada or King, and a brand-new O-line. But on the flip side, two of those O-linemen likely to start are in year three and four, respectively, in the program. I mentioned Green. You're bringing in Tennessee transfer Jameer Johnson, who started three years for the Vols. Um, and then there's a ton of talent at that other guard spot. So uh, talent-wise, I think they're going to be much better up front. It's just you're throwing a bunch of guys together that haven't – you know, a couple of them haven't played a lot of football. You're throwing in a guy from Tennessee. You're moving green from guard to tackle. So it's a legitimate question. But I'm, I'm just telling you, this is a uh, – Jimbo can work around it, I think. I think the schedule – affords that if there, there's not a Clemson in game two like there were his first two years uh, at the helm here there's not an, an Alabama in, in your second conference game you play Alabama I think in week six so it, it is uh, it's manageable there are some potential tripping points with at Colorado in week two Arkansas you know at Jerry World and then Mississippi State comes the week before Bama a&M style of play, they, they're just typically not going to just walk over teams. They're going to wear them down. So I think those are challenges. But you know how it is, Mike. When you look at the SEC schedule, you're looking for these three-game stretches that you're like, how in the hell are we ever going to navigate that? Mm-hmm. And you're looking for the back-to-backs of Bama and LSU or, or you know, oh, there's three in a row. We're on the road at LSU and, and Ole Miss and – Oh, good. Right before that, we get, you know, we get Auburn at home. There's none of that on this schedule. There really isn't. And, and uh, the two times A&M has gotten what I would call a favorable schedule draw since joining this league were their first year and this past year. And they, and they went a combined 20 and three, uh, those two seasons. And they went, they went nine and one and six and two. So they were 15 and three in SEC games those two years. And and I think this schedule kind of sticks out in that regard as well. So we'll see if A&M's up to the task. But, but you know, they always say the SEC does you no know, favors in terms of schedule. This is the closest thing to a, to a favor that, that you'll get in the league. Well, Billy, I really appreciate all the time you've given me. But I, I do got to ask you real quick, it, maybe if it's just a total shot in the dark, who do you think wins this quarterback comp- competition, Zach Calzada or Hayes King? I think I've been going with Haynes King, and, and I always I don't like saying that because I've seen Calzada's kind of ascension since 
the start of last football season till now, and it's been it's been pretty dang noticeable. It's been market improvement, and when you see that that trajectory typically continues. You know, when you see that in, in, in a young guy and they turn this corner, especially with a coach like Jimbo, and, and he's got as somebody described to me from day one, he's got a Sunday arm, Mm -hmm. no question. But what I like about Haynes is just the intangibles, how he checks every box, you know, in terms of coach's son picked up Jimbo's very complicated offense almost overnight, which was that, that was something that had everybody kind of talking. Um, But you start looking at all that and then it's the, he can throw, better than most running quarterbacks can throw and and he in other words he can beat you throwing the ball there's no question this is not a guy that's a runner he's a quarterback he just doesn't have the calzada arm but he can throw and he can really run it it, the guy i ran a four four five during the off season at about six three he's not like a you know john reese Reese Plumley type guy who's a shorter, more compact. This is a six three kind of gangly guy that ran a four four five. His speed is going to cause significant problems for defenses. It's going to give Jimbo all kinds of flexibility calling plays. And again, that's something that you can't really get a feel for in practice as to how dangerous and and how problematic he's going to be for defenses and how much that's going to open things up for both him and the offense. So I think that's kind of a built-in advantage uh, in that race because coaches know that when they're watching these two guys perform. And it's kind of like that thing that's always kind of hanging in the back of your mind. It reminds me of, you know, Kellen Mond versus Nick Starkle. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of Johnny Manziel versus Jameel Showers, you know, when, when uh, Kevin Sumlin first got here. You have to understand there's a little something that you're just not going to see in practice. So if all things are equal, uh, you know which way they're going to go. So to me, it puts the onus on Calzada where he's going to have to be noticeably better. And I, I think Haynes Haynes has a chance to be pretty special, I believe. But, you know, it's going to be what happens when the games are are getting played and things like, you know, with Jimbo, man, it's going to be decision-making with the football at critical moments and, and who's going to throw the ball to the open tight end eight yards down the field and not take the shot, the lower risk shot, 40 yards down the field, even though you've got one-on-one coverage, but there's the eight wide open for a 14-yard gain. You know, those, those are the type of things that'll set the two apart. But again, I think, I think Haynes has the mental, I think he has the physical, and I think the, the guy's just kind of got that it factor in the huddle. All right, he's Billy Lucci. Got to give him a follow at Billy Lucci. He's the owner of the go-to site for Texas A&M Info, Texags. I really appreciate you, Billy, and I, I cannot imagine the uh, comments you're having to moderate over there at Texags right now, now with the Longhorns headed to the SEC. Well, I, it's been it's been fun. It really has. <laughs> like I, I'm all about the I'm all about the Twitter venom, and and it's just it's it. it it's a rivalry, you know, like I didn't want to deal with, it's been nice not dealing with them. Uh, and it's been nice just kind of knowing how much they wish they were in the conference that they couldn't be in. It's been, it's been a fun little uh, element to the, to what had become a Twitter only rivalry. And I didn't want to see a and play them 
because contrary to what they would ever admit, and now they're essentially admitting it, even though they don't think they are, they needed that game because the Big 12 was a dying league and they played OU every year in Norman. They needed A&M at home between their big home and homes with LSU and Alabama and Ohio State and Michigan, Florida. They needed A&M on the home schedule in between because there was nothing. And they couldn't go add, you know, these other they, – they needed A&M on there, and they wanted it. And it was just not – didn't make any sense for A&M to add that game to the SEC and say, okay, we're going to play you all when we have to win three of four because splitting with you guys is an, is, a, is an advantage Texas. So we have to win both if we do one home and home. We have to win three of four if we play, you know, two home and homes. If we play every year, we pretty much have to win about – probably seven out of 10 to get a noticeable boost from it. And, you know, cause it's a boost that A&M didn't need and Texas did. Now you're in the same league. Let's tee it up and play every single year. The one thing I don't want, Mike, is the one thing I don't want is this pod thing to be, if they did it. And I know it's, it's far from, mm-hmm. uh, it's just something that we're all talking about for fun. But if they did, I would want to see, I, don't give don't give A&M fans and, and throw the Aggies a bone here after everything that went down. Don't give a, a Big 12 pod. Nobody in maroon and white wants to see Missouri, OU, and Texas every single year. People, the, the fans don't want it. That's not why they left and joined the SEC. And by the way, did the SEC, you know, it, not that the SEC wasn't going to be the preeminent power, but by A&M moving over to that league and not going to the Pac-16, it certainly kind of helped kill one league. And then the, if you think about it, the Aggies deciding, no, Texas, we're not going to do that. That shifted the balance of power or kept it where it is for a long time in college football and probably permanently. Because had Texas gotten their way and A&M not made that call to Mike Slive, you're talking about, Texas OU A&M and whoever else it was was it Oak State mm-hmm. in the Pac-16 the balance of power shifting to at least some degree out west instead you had A&M come over SEC gets into Texas and that was a, a, a 10 years later that was kind of the, something that set up you know OU and Texas coming over and now it's kind of permanent the SEC is permanently entrenched so yeah I just I don't I think you. Well, who go, would you want to see in A and M's pod then? I'd like to see LSU and the Mississippi schools, and then Texas, OU, Missouri, and Arkansas with a permanent. You know, it sounds like if they did do pods, it makes sense that there would be you know what you would call I guess everybody would have a permanent crossover, mm-hmm. kind of like what they have now. And and that one, yeah, heck yeah, make that the long run. I absolutely want to see A and M in Texas playing every year. It would make no sense at all for those two teams to be in the same league and not play every year. And what it would also do, it would allow Texas and that former S you know, that, that former uh, Southwest conference rival, Arkansas, they're big rivals in a lot of sports. Mm-hmm. And it would, it would have Texas playing OU and A&M every year. A&M would be playing Texas and LSU every year, which I think LSU, even though, even though the Tigers don't see it that way, there's a long history between A&M and LSU in, in a lot of sports. It's starting to get really interesting in football. 
And I just think that's a lot more natural. You have the the in-state rivalry in Austin, and you have their their neighbors to the east, you know, the border rivalry with LSU. So I, I think that would be ideal if they did it that way. But again, it just sounds too easy, too convenient. You know it's going to be something different than that. Mm-hmm. All right, Billy, I, I do, do not want to take up any more of your time, but I really, really appreciate you. And, uh, hey, man, let me know if I can ever return the favor. I'm, I'm happy to do it. Heck, yeah. We'd love to have you on Tex-Ags Radio. All right, Shane. So, I mean, I think you get a sense of it there. I mean, this is one hell of a rivalry, Texas and Texas A&M. And, hell, they haven't even played in a decade. You know what? That's right, man. They still hate each other, man. I love it. <laughs> I love it, man, because they've been fighting for so long, and there's been that fence between them. But that fence is coming back down, and I just think it's going to make for great – I mean, great football, man. Yeah, and you talk about all the great rivalries in the SEC, and I'm not necessarily comparing it uh, on equal footing – but I'm just basing it on online interactions that I've seen just in the last week. Uh, Texas and Texas A&M, they sure do hate each other. And it is all up in my mentions, brother. And, and Oklahoma right there, they got a rowdy group too. So uh, I think it goes to what you're saying. I think these two are going to fit right in into the SEC culture with their amazing fan bases. And again, yeah. it's just – uh, you know, this is the conference where the fan base is truly care 365 and, and hell, that's why we got this show. You know what? So Absolutely. I, I think it, I think it's just going to make for a perfect union here. No, I think it's perfect, man. And, uh, are we going to try to line something up from the other side? I mean, once this thing's done, we are going to try to get some guys online to kind of tell us a little bit about their programs, right? Yeah. That's a hell of an idea because, you know, we try to be as honest and forthright as, uh, as we can be on the show. And I am the furthest thing from a Texas and Oklahoma <laughs> expert. You know, I mean, I never paid those two the time of day, but uh, now we're going to have to go deep dive on them too. So yeah, uh-huh. we, we will, uh, you know, we'll honor that and, and we'll, hell, we just got to, we just got two new brothers to the family. You know what? <laughs> what do you think Steve Sarkeesian said, you know, and he finally got down there. <laughs> Probably burnt some bridges on his way down. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Flipped off Alabama as he's heading down the interstate. And they're like, hey, buddy, we're going back. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he took as many Alabama assistant coaches as he could out the door. Oh, yeah. Save is going to say schedule him week one. <laughs> you, yeah, you know he hasn't forgotten. So, I mean, no. the pitch was probably we never have to see him again. So, exactly. uh, good luck with that one. You're going to – I, I think you're dead on. I think they're going to schedule Texas uh, the biggest names they can just to, as a nice welcome to the SEC. You know what? I, I totally agree. It should be Texas, Alabama. Uh, who are we pairing up uh, Oklahoma with? Georgia right now. Florida maybe. LSU. LSU be a good one. Oh, man. Yeah, I say whoever wins the SEC East plays one of them and whoever wins the west next year plays the other and just like you said right out of the gate let's see what these programs are about all right buddy well hey that's gonna do it uh for this episode i hope you guys again appreciated the interview there with billy lucci really appreciate all the time he gave to us and uh Uh unless you got anything before we hop off here brother oh no man i like i said i'm just glad to be on this continent of united states of america i'm just i wait (laughs) that's not continent (laughs) now Uh, Texas is like, oh, these idiots. No, no, just kidding. Cut that part out. Uh, nah, Mike, I'm just, I, I'm glad to be back on land. Um, I'm glad to, hey, I, I, 
you know, I was just afraid, man. I tell you, I was when I was out there in the middle, I wasn't worried about pirates or, or jaws or anything like that. I was just afraid if I get sick, you know, it's not like you could just walk out and say, you know what, I've had enough of this. You know, it's like Yeah, you get oh, sick, wait. you're out there. You know what? Yeah, you gotta sit back down and ride for three hours. So I was just like, Man, I'm not gonna chance it. So uh it's actually I I, I drank more brewskis when i got done just <laughs> celebrating waiting for my ride so but uh anyway man it, it's good to be back um i love the news i i, I we're definitely going to drop a pod tomorrow when we uh when we get the news so uh the, the more stuff we get for you guys uh the quick you know as quick as possible we'll have it out to you yeah sounds good brother will appreciate you hopping on the line appreciate each and every one of you for hanging out catch you on the next one all right, see you guys. Go balls. The real UT. <laughs> <laughs>